like I forget how I do this, Justin. How do I do this? I don't even remember anymore. Um, all right, here we go. You're supposed to say, "Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bloody Bloody Blah." See, you you could totally do it. You don't you don't need me for this shit. All right, I'm like, I don't need you. <laughs> I don't need you. You just like push me off the uh, giant uh, Japanese suspension bridge that everybody has those fights on or whatever, right? And then the little like mannequin that's dressed up like you goes flying over goes and flying explodes. over, and I all all my um fucking. Uh, Dr. Manhattan watchmaker cogs like fall out of my fucking guts or whatever. <laughs> It'll be awesome. It'll be super cool. Alright. It's Super Podcast Time! スイッチオン。ワン、ツー、スリー。電流火花が体を走る。自動チェンジ、機械だ。ダークロボット迎えて、人造人間、機械だ。Hey guys, welcome back to another Switch-tastic episode of Fanholes Toku Thursdays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I am joined by one of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? I am Dark Destructoid Justin. Yeah! Dark, dark, dark. dark. Kill, kill. Kill, kill, kill. All right, yeah, so I'm here with Dark Destructoid Justin, and we are here, if you haven't guessed already, we're here to discuss yet another episode in our coverage of the Tokusatsu series Android Kikaida. And tonight we're discussing episode 13, which is titled Pink Tiger Terror at the Amusement Park. Or the really super-duper long Wikipedia title, which is Pink Tiger Attacks the Amusement Park. And the teleplay is by Soichi Shimazu, and the director is Toyohiko Okayama. And it was originally broadcast October 7th, 1972. I guess when this aired in San Francisco, it had an air date of July 9th. 2005 and we'll get into the nitty-gritty synopsis here but before we do that we'll just read the august rangone written short and sweet synopsis of the episode for pink tiger professor gill orders pink tiger to find the design for a special circuit that dr komoji has hidden in one of his older robots at an amusement park that's pretty succinct and, and kind of covers the whole episode. But we're going to actually get into the nitty-gritty, me and Justin, with this episode of Kakaida. So we open up on Professor Gill, who has summoned the dark warrior Pink Tiger. Gill orders his servant to go to Yokohama Dreamland and seek out one of Professor Komoji's older robots that is located there on site. Professor Gill believes that the older robot 
contains the secret of a special circuit that Komoji never revealed to Dark. The robot is named Jinbei, and Gil commands Pink Tiger to interrogate the simple entertainment bot. Whether or not Pink Tiger uncovers the secret of the special circuit, to preserve the secret, Professor Gil tells his dark warrior to blow up the robot this coming Sunday, along with the entire amusement park. No one but Dark should be allowed to discover the secret of the special circuit. So, I, I guess my initial thought of this, and I, I don't know if, if we've praised him or not, but I, I feel like Professor Gill is like the... He, he's basically like the, the MVP here, because this guy has to give monologue. He has to give monologue, and he's not talking to like a CGI tennis ball, like with the George Lucas <laughs> stuff. Like, he has to give monologues to all this, like, kind of, you know... MacGyvered string and tape, like, you know, dark agents that they can't do anything but say guilt to him or whatever. And then you've got, like, you know, the, the crazy robots and different things in the background that don't really, you know, have much of an interaction at all. And not only is he monologuing, but, like, he's really giving you all the expository information of what the plot of this episode is. And, like, that's... I can speak from experience. Like, I, I, I've given monologues. I've given expository speeches. Like, it's not an easy thing to do to make, you know, you talk about Star Trek techno babble. But, I mean, this is not far removed from that, right? Like, he's he's got to make it engaging and interesting, and he's got to do his little Professor Gill laugh and everything. And so I, I couldn't remember whether we kind of kind of gave him his, his, his due props or whatever, you know, that, that you know, whether or not we we've kind of mentioned him and i i kind of feel like we should right like because without him doing his best you know it's like these scenes could conceivably fall like really incredibly like flat so like i guess what i wanted to do was make sure that you know when when it's it's uh mitsuo Ando is Professor Gill, so I, I want to give him his props, his, his his due props for for basically you know doing the monologuing and 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 taking care of business and all that kind of stuff, and also giving us all the expository information we need and still making it kind of engaging and interesting. Yeah, I noticed that about this episode because he has two rather long sequences where he's just kind of you know, chewing the scenery a little bit. And like you said, he's giving you a lot of information, but he's holding your attention the whole time. And that that was one of the things that stood out to me in this episode. I was like, we've got a whole lot of Professor Gill in this episode. I was like, I think this is the most we've like seen him on screen and he's doing a good job of holding your attention. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and it, this is like, it's not like, you know, a lot of things that, that people are not usually privy to, but I mean, it, it always helps when you have a scene partner, you know, it always helps when the scene partner has the same level of energy as you do. And you know, like you absolutely know that in the dark headquarters, there's nobody there giving him any energy. Like nobody's, nobody's, you know, he's not having a scene with anybody. He's basically monologuing. So he has to bring all that to the table on his own. So I, I totally want to give him the props for that. But I guess you want to talk a little bit about Yokohama Dreamland here? I do. 
This episode featured a major tie-in with the Yokohama Dreamland Amusement Park in Kanagawa Prefecture, now closed, just southwest of Tokyo. This location would later be employed again for Kikaida, the 3D movie theatrical featurette. So th this is kind of interesting because Yokohama Dreamland, this is where this episode's shot, and it, it and they don't really try to hide it either. Like, they're not yeah. pretending it's, like, a different place. Like, they're just saying, hey, you know, we're, we're headed out to Yokohama Dreamland. And, like, I guess it seems like the natural thing to do is, and I, I mean, I see this online, and I see this in different reviews and other stuff, whether it's an episode like this or it's related to other Japanese media and pop culture where Yokohama Dreamland happens to be featured. Like a lot of people seem to want to compare it to Disneyland. Like I, mm. I, I saw like I, I think like see I don't I don't know enough because I haven't seen all the anime of, of Sailor Moon, but but while I was like looking up stuff about Yokohama Dreamland, it looked like at some point in the anime the the sailor scouts ended up at Yokohama Dreamland and you and and I think the comment was you know what did the did the sailor scouts go to Disneyland like what's going on like what is this you know or or you know who knows maybe in a dub they called it Disneyland or something like that but I I have no idea but never mind that why is a guy your age riding the kitty train anyway don't you have any friends your own age or are you just looking for someone on your puny mental level to talk to? <laughs> I have my reasons. Mind your own business. <laughs> she sure knows how to hit you where it hurts. But, like, to me, like, I, I, I don't know if this is going to make sense or not, because I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, regional things. But in the Bay Area, we have theme parks called Great America. And then in, in Los Angeles, it's usually referred to as Six Flags, but they're kind of the same thing. And, like, I guess the reason why I make that distinction is, like, I mean, I get that there's rides at Disneyland, and I know there's big fans of, of Disneyland and Disney World and all that kind of stuff, right? And I'm not disparaging those amusement parks, but I, I'm just thinking Yokohama Dreamland seems like it's got Ferris wheels. It's got roller coasters. Like, it's it's an amusement park in the level of, to me, something I, I would be more likely to compare it to Great America or Six Flags than... I don't know, Universal Studios or or Disneyland or a a any place like that. I I'm from the South, and all we have is Dollywood, so... Okay. Is Dollywood... Does Dollywood have roller coasters? They do. I don't think they have a giant Ferris wheel, but there are many uh, coasters, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I like, I, I guess all I'm saying is I, I would be more likely to compare it to something like that than Disneyland. When you're in the Smokies, come on out to Dollywood. We're sliding down a mountain, makes you feel real good. It's a magic place to spill with family fun. Splashing down together on a raft and a river run. Learn about the craftsman skills, sit down the home with me. See how good the music makes you feel. Get away to Dollywood, it's home fun. In the heart of the Smokies, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. As Pink Tiger plants explosives at Yokohama Dreamland in the middle of the night, a local security guard stumbles upon him. To avoid being discovered, the security guard is mowed down in the back by Pink Tiger's Tiger Gun. Pink Tiger giggles in glee, having killed the only man who has seen him plant the explosives at Yokohama Dreamland. 
threatening to blow up the Yokohama Dreamland Amusement Park in a sadistic style was the Mishima Kinjaki's Yukio Mihashi as Dart Destructoid Pink Tiger. Pink Tiger! Yeah, I... Okay, so this is this is the perfect opportunity to do our usual shtick. What, what, what do you think of pink tiger what do you think of the suit what do you think of the villain like let's let's go into pink tiger here he's not very pink he's not he's not it's like you you know what it reminds me of it's like okay like like even if you if like this is this is this is me this is my research for the episode if you google pink tiger right like you'll see a tiger that's probably like white and pink and then they have like the tiny black tiger stripes but I feel like this guy is like inverted tiger. Does that make sense? Like it seems like yeah. it seems like the stripes are the pink things, and he's a like he's a panther or a you know you know what I mean? Like yeah, like, the the tiger part seemed off. I kept looking at him, and I was like, something is off. You don't really look like a tiger. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, it's like they took a bear cub and combined it with like a skunk somehow, and it. Just, <laughs> And they throw in a little bit of pink because he looks really weird. Well, yeah, because it seems like it seems like the solid color of the the suit itself is black. And yeah. Then, and then and then when they make little, it's interesting that you mentioned the skunk thing too because I I didn't think of that, but that kind of makes more sense, right? Like that he he has like the little streak of white in the tail, but he's not ultimately he's mostly black right like and it's like here it's like the little streak of they've got little streaks of of pink almost like i don't know he 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 you know got messy eating his cotton candy and like <laughs> dropped some of it on himself right well like, like, derek he is at an amusement park he is so. at an amusement park it's entirely possible <laughs> he was he was munching down on the cotton candy before he he murdered the the security guard in the middle of the night like that's what he was doing beforehand like when when he showed up at night and he was doing his uh you know evilness and stuff like i was like is is he even pink because it was in you know shadow yeah, yeah, or, or day so for dark. night? Yeah. I was like, is is he even pink? I was like, well, why are they calling him Pink Tiger? Then he stepped out, and I was like, oh, he's got like some stripes, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, or, or the only other thing I could compare it to is if you like, if you're like a gang guy and you you make a tag on the wall, like imagine like a <laughs> black brick wall and somebody tags it in pink and just writes like yo in pink or something <laughs> and that like that's that's the ratio of like pink to black where it's just like there's there's so much more black than pink but yet he's pink tiger and i don't know do, do you think because pink is you know it's like this is what 74 and it's quote unquote a girl color you know like do you think there's some aspect of well he's not going to be scary enough if he's like that pink hmm I guess. I don't know. I hadn't thought about, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't... I, I mean, you know, it could just be the rationale was that. It could be that they just didn't care. You know, it's like one of these, you know, cheapo tokusatsu suits. And they just kind of went, all right, well, we got this black suit. And, okay, Larry, let's put some pink spray paint on it and call it a day or whatever. But, I, you know, it's like... It, it's interesting because, like you said, it doesn't necessarily evoke Tiger. You know, like, I mean, I guess pink doesn't necessarily evoke a tiger either, but, you know, whatever, I guess. It, it, it kind of is what it is, but but I, I, I guess it's fair to say we, maybe we're less than impressed with, with pink tiger as it stands, right? 
Yes. Alright, we then cut to the next day, where Masaru tells his big sister, Mitsuko, that he finds it hard to believe that their amnesic father would ever come to Yokohama Dreamland. However, Mitsuko reminds Masaru that their father brought them to Yokohama Dreamland many times over, even though Masaru was too young to remember. Professor Komoji even built a robot clown named Jinbei, especially for the amusement park. Just then, the brother and sister hear a loud crash. We can't actually crash the VW bug because we only have the one. And look to see their detective friend, Hattori Hanpei, has crashed his green VW bug while attempting to follow someone for a new client. So we've got Hattori Hanpei. He's not making out with his car, but he is crashing it. You know? So so he's he's made his his appearance and everything. It's funny, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like it's like um you know, it, it's like the sequence in uh, the the, the cost cutting sequence in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. You know, where where they they throw uh, Ricardo Montalban out the window, and then it's just like they drop a camera from a string, and it rolls <laughs> around and shit. And it's supposed to be like, yeah. oh, look, he's falling out the window. So it's like it, this is kind of the same idea. It's like you hear a loud noise, and then when you see the green VW bug, it looks like it's all strung out and messed up. But really, they just drove the bug somewhere and opened up the engine and opened the doors and trying to play it off like it crashed but in reality they they only have that one green vw bug so they're not actually going to crash it anytime soon i would much rather he crash it than make out with it definitely yeah yeah obviously the character of Jinbei, one of Komyoji's early robots who works as a clown at yokohama dreamland was played by veteran toy actor june tatara among his other memorable genre credits are Gosaku Fuji, owner of the Avalon Horse Ranch in Space Chef Gavin, and the Wizard Bazaar, mentor to Dinosaur Task Force Juranger. Juranger. Yeah, I, I, knew, I knew he looked familiar. I was like, I, I know him. I was like, I know there's going to be something about it in the notes. Um, I was trying to place him, but yeah, he's the... Uh, He's the owner of the ranch in Gavin. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I feel like we had that discussion when we talked about Space Sheriff before, like where we went, oh yeah, this is the guy who was, you know, I'm, I'm like, all these people are gonna throw, uh, throw tomatoes at me, but I'm like, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is Japanese Zordon, basically, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, so it's like he's, he's the mentor to the Jew Rangers and stuff, and like, he's, I mean, you know, he, he's a very, uh he's a good actor and then he's kind of got that almost i mean you can see why they would cast him as a clown even if he's a sad clown like there is there is that aspect to him where even even when he's the 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 horse rancher or the wizard there there is an aspect to him where he is kind of the jester of those tv shows you know intentionally or unintentionally you know like he, he kind of has that demeanor where you know he's it's I, I don't know he's like he's like a japanese coach from cheers or something you know <laughs> like like he's kind of got that look to him where he's he's kind of old but he's he's kind of like a sweet old guy and everything and and you know you you kind of there are things that to me are, are kind of amusing about him you know like his performance and everything the local marching band is playing When the Saints Go Marching In, and we can see the robot clown Jinbei driving a horse-drawn carriage, transporting patrons on the amusement park grounds. 
Jinbei has an excellent memory and immediately recognizes the daughter of his creator when Mitsuko comes in on the scene. He relays to her that he is soon to be decommissioned, and Mitsuko tells Jinbei of their quest for their missing amnesiac father. Meanwhile, Masaru is trying to enjoy the amusement park rides, much to his sister's dismay. Sadly, Jinbei advises Professor Komoji that has not been to the amusement park grounds and bids the brother and sister farewell. However, as all three walk past, we zoom in to see Professor Komoji, who thinks to himself that he believes he's been to Yokohama Dreamland before. We cut back to Jinbei a little while later, who walks like a tired old man and discovers Professor Komoji, who has a foggy memory of giving Jinbei something important. Just then we hear a giggling Pink Tiger bust in on the scene. Pinko Taiga takes Professor Komoji's appearance at the park as proof that the special circuit is most definitely hidden here. As Pinko Taiga is about to question Komoji further, we hear that cherry red guitar of justice play in the background. Komoji then runs off like a little bitch and Jiro, <laughs> high atop an amusement park castle, avoids the gunfire of Pinka Taiga's tiger guns. Jiro then makes short work of the dark destructoid foot soldiers. However, Pinka Taiga attacks him with his giant ninja star called the Taiga Ring. The explosion that follows puts Jiro on the run from the Dark Destructoids, and pressing their advantage, we then hear that damnable flute of Professor Gills playing in the mind of Jiro. Jiro tries to fight on, but between the Dark Flute and that giggling pink tiger, it looks like Jiro will be run over by a high-speed jet coaster amusement park ride. Were you at all scared for Jiro, like when the, the roller coaster was coming after him? No, but I felt sorry for you <laughs> during this sequence because I feel like this is the longest we're ever exposed to the devil flute. Mm, and I was like, mm. I was like, man, I bet Derek is like wanting to tear his ears off because this is going on for a long time. It's, it's, it's actually like I've. What, what, what's the right way? I, I, this is actually Derek from the past and the Derek in the present that heard this, like his head exploded like in scanners and he's dead now. <laughs> he's gone. He couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. Mm. No, I mean, you know, it's like, I, yeah, the, the devil flute. Yeah. The devil flute does get to me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I was thinking, cause it's like, sometimes there are these perils with like amusement park rides like i'm thinking of like you know like say like the dark knight returns you know when like you know joker and batman are fighting in the amusement park and stuff like that and like or or you know I, i'm sure there's been similar things in comics i can't think of the specific issue but i'm sure something like this has gone on in like a spider-man comic where like they're on the the rails and the the cars are coming down and it's gonna like hit people and you know spider-man's got to get them out of the way or whatever like something like that but it's like it's funny because it's like you could tell like just kind of like the the VW bug because you can't actually have the VW bug crash. It sort of eliminates some of that danger like like you really because of the the nature of the budget, right? Like it's like you could tell they're using Yokohama's actual 
roller coaster and so they can't speed it up right because you could actually hurt somebody so it's like rolling along pretty slow and then on top of that you know it's never going to hit them because if it hit him or hit somebody like they'd have to actually damage it and they don't have the budget to damage the roller coaster at yokohama so it, it does it does kind of eliminate some of the tension there i suppose like you, you're just kind of waiting to see how he's gonna get out of it basically when the devil flute was starting to like drive him crazy and he was tearing down that little wooden whatever that was i'm not sure what that that those oh right that, right like, that like, white awning yeah, was yeah. or whatever like i was wondering how is he gonna like get out of the sound or how is he gonna you know make it stop like i was thinking he was gonna start hitting himself in the head with those white boards or something mm-hmm. I, I don't know why i thought that but like uh, hey, I don't know yeah, that. that's that's uh you know that could be one methodology to avoid hearing the devil flute. I know I wanted to hit myself with something <laughs> after I was listening to it for a few minutes. You know, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned that too, because because I'm betting since he was able to destroy it, and I'm betting the reason why it made no sense to you is probably because that's not part of the official Yokohama Dreamland yeah. grounds, and so they probably just built that real quick and went, all right, you know, go to town, man. <laughs> like you can you can break the crap out of this, like because we they don't you know this is not theirs we we built this on top of their fairground and you can just you know beat the crap out of it and that's probably why you're looking at it going does that really belong there i guess not but he's gonna destroy the hell out of it anyway so yeah i i was watching uh common rider blade recently and they were fighting in some kind of it looked like some kind of ruined i don't know what it was like maybe a ruined uh warehouse or something but there were a lot of like brick walls left and they were like running through and fighting and then you know one of the riders got knocked completely through this brick wall and i was sitting there and i was like uh i was like i think this one i was like i think this brick wall was constructed like from prop stuff like even though this place is ruined like i'm pretty sure they can't just willy-nilly go bursting through those walls and then there were there was like a long shot for about like two or three seconds and it like you could tell like they had just kind of built it in like it didn't fit with the rest of the the landscape or the ruins of the building at all i mean and and then i'm guessing part of that like it's kind of like in this era especially and this applies to a lot of tokusatsu shows and we've talked about it before but that's why like ultimately like they're going to go from yokohama dreamland to like a deserted canyon in the middle of nowhere to set off all the pyrotechnics and everything because that's like a legal thing so it's like all of a sudden yokohama dreamland becomes you know deserted deserted you know canyon in the middle of nowhere or whatever but luckily the loud noise from the jet coaster aha this is this is how he does it blocks (laughs) the sounds of the dark flute that loud roller coaster the closer it gets the louder it gets and then all of a sudden it blocks the sounds of the dark flute and jiro is able to three two one change into android kikaida kikaida then fights the dark foot soldiers across the entire amusement park kikaida easily dodges pinka taiga's exploding taiga rings He even manages to toss one back at his attackers. But Pink Taiga is not so easily deterred. 
Pinka Taiga then busts out his signature Tiger Smoke Shield, which temporarily blinds Kikaida and lets the Agents of Dark get away just in time for a commercial break! Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. So we, we come back from the break and we find it's late evening. Jinbei has been captured and is tied up by Pinka Taiga and his dark foot soldiers. Pinka Taiga has also removed Jinbei's motion circuit fuse and intends to torture Jinbei to give up Komoji's secret. The other Darkfoot soldiers have delivered the detonator to Pinka Taiga, and Professor Gill orders Tiger to set it for tomorrow and turn the park into hell. I, I guess that's, yeah, that's how that goes. If you blow up the park, it becomes like the seven levels and stuff. <laughs> Unbeknownst to Gil, Professor Komoji secretly observes the dark agent spirit away with Jinbei and the detonator hidden from sight. The next day, Mitsuko receives a call, a phone call from Jiro, and man, she's got that tight little skirt there too, so she receives a call all right, from Jiro, who tells her that her father was at the park and that Jinbei's been kidnapped. When Mitsuko receives a phone call, she answers in what is, presumably, the Komomji house. The set used is the very same interior set used as various residences redressed in episodes 5, 7, 11, and 12. So we, we would have seen this set repeatedly multiple times mm -hmm. by this point. Yeah. And yeah, I, you know, not for nothing, but I, I like her little outfit. It looks nice. She looks good in it. So. Uh, my question here is, why didn't Pink Tiger go after her dad like hmm. when he saw him like wouldn't it make sense to go after him too in addition to Jinbei yeah I, I or, is, he, or is he just he wasn't ordered to do that so it was just like okay I you know I didn't receive orders from Dr. Gill so he can run away maybe I mean I mean, I, I have like weird questions too like I, 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 I see what you're saying like why, why wouldn't he go after Professor Komoji? But I mean, I guess what you're, you're suggesting is he was ordered to go after the circuit, not Komoji. And if Komoji, they, they kind of know at this point that he's amnesiac. So maybe it wouldn't do them any good. Yeah, that makes sense to, too. To go yeah. after him, like for that reason. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, you know what I kind of don't get is, so, all right. So Jinbei recognizes Professor 
emoji when it's like when when he kind of waddles over to him or whatever you know <laughs> yeah. and and finds him in his room and he's like oh come on jason you know like or whatever the fuck he says right and he, he totally recognizes him right but then when professor Komoji's like dude i know you have something you have something special like give it to me he's like i don't know what you're talking about komoji son yeah. and i'm kind of like I wondered, like, is that because he's amnesiac? Is that because he was instructed not to give it to anyone, including him? Or does he think that maybe that's Pink Tiger disguised as Kamoji? Like, is he that... Is, is like, is Jinbei that hip? Like, is Jinbei that smart? Or, like, I don't know. Like, what... It, it's kind of like one of those oddly framed sequences so i'm kind of curious like what you thought because I, I feel like it could have been any of those things but i'm not yeah. really sure which one it was exactly yeah i don't know i mean i don't think jinbei is that smart okay but I, I yeah it could be that um the professor told him not to give it to anyone including himself maybe but i mean who knows they you know like some things on this show they didn't quite spell it out yeah so yeah yeah we, we have to you know, 40 years later, we have to try and decipher it. <laughs> right, right. It's sort of left up to interpretation because yeah. it's not, they, they don't, they don't hold our hands with everything and, and basically, you know, you know, yeah, kind of walk us across the street and stuff like that. Meanwhile, Pinka Tiger continues to have poor Jinbei tortured with heat rods. He's like, stop this shit. You're touching <laughs> me. <laughs> this fucking sucks like so poor Jinbei is getting his ass tortured uh, Jiro uh, in the meantime is, is not super heroic but his heightened android senses detect an SOS from Jinbei and like okay like, Jiro quickly rides off at his sidecar to find him he leaves Masaru Mitsuko and Hattori Hanpei behind to go help out Jinbei and in the middle of this torture, I guess Jinbei finally remembers Professor Komoji placing that special circuit within his body. And at this point, like, Jiro's sending him, like, his own android Morse code, like, yeah. kind of telling Jinbei, like, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, J-I-N-B-E-I, hang in there with all this fucking torture. And, like, poor Jinbei's like, I can't hang on, this fucking sucks, I'm falling <laughs> apart, going to die, you know, like all this shit, but they're like, they're having this Morris fucking conversation with, with one another, and poor Jinbei, like he literally, like, like literally, like you look at it, and then his leg like literally falls off, and you're like, holy crap, this poor guy's <laughs> like falling apart and everything, like, I mean, it, it's weird, like something that might be worth talking about is like, when we're introduced to him, and and Mitsuko sees him I mean he's almost resigned that like I mean the way he describes himself is like oh I'm probably going to be put out to pasture anyway like I'm going to be decommissioned here in a little bit anyway like so it, it's kind of sad like because it's like he's he was this amusement park clown and I guess he was a big deal at the time and now all he's doing is like I don't know driving people around in a horse-drawn carriage and it just seems like whatever wonder or luster he once had like sheen that existed because he was this android life form like i kind of feel like i kind of feel like 
Jinbei should have gotten like Picard as a lawyer, you know, and like gotten them <laughs> out of the fucking amusement park or whatever. It's like this is new life. There it is, you know, and like it's like I want to get the fuck out of here, you know, <laughs> hey, like this hey. fucking sucks. <laughs> Jinbei should be like, if I were human, I believe my reply would be, go to hell. Go to hell, Kamoji-san. Fuck <laughs> if this I were human. Shit. <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of what i feel like so um anyway so so basically like his leg is literally like falling off and everything and then professor gill is alerted that jiro is on his way arriving to his dark agents location and he orders him destroyed so with the dark agents on the attack jinbei manages to crawl away because remember he's only got one leg at this point Kikaida eventually comes upon Jinbei, and Jinbei tells him of all the explosives that Dark has planted at Yokohama Dreamland. Jinbei is carefully placed in the sidecar and tells Jiro of the special circuit. His last thoughts are of concern for the children at the amusement park before he fades away leaving Jiro the special circuit. Kikaida then fights Pink Tiger and his Dark Destructoids. One giant swing quickly leads to the end, and Pink Tiger is fucking toast. Like that—that that was really, really quick. Like he didn't yeah. fuck around there. It was just like we got to get this shit out of the way because they—I think they actually wanted to have some kind of epilogue. Whereas a lot of times they—they they pump up the fight and then the epilogue is just you know Jiro riding away. But here. It's like Jiro is followed by Hattori Hanpei. They quickly run in to find the detonators at Yokohama Dreamland. And then Jiro disables the ticking detonator and saves the park and returns the special circuit to Mitsuko, who advises then, like, why don't you enter the circuit into your memory banks? And then you can see they sort of smelt and destroy the actual circuit. So it looks like, I guess, it's the information is still there, but it's safely kept inside Kikaida's memory banks. So if they destroy Kakaida, they'll never get the information, and if Kakaida defeats them, they'll never get the information. So it looks like it's pretty secure and safe at that point. Masaru laments that they weren't actually able to find their father, and Jiro swears he'll continue to help them in their search as he gets on his sidecar and rides away. And that's the end of the episode. Next time, we're going to be dealing with Great Devil Silver Tortoise! And that pretty much is the episode. I guess, do we do we have any final thoughts? Like, is there anything else you want to go into as far as, like, kind of your take on the episode? Any of the, the character interactions or anything like that? You said that the destruction of Pink Tiger was pretty quick. Like, I happened to glance up at, like, the timer on my, my player, and I was like, is this going to be, like, a two-parter or something? Because I was like, I don't know if they have enough time to, like, to defeat Pink Tiger and disable all the, you know, the explosives and wrap all this up, I, I was starting to wonder if this was going to be a, a two-parter. But nope, like the his fight with Pink Pink Tiger was pretty quick. Yeah. So well, because normally normally they do like uh not not just like a giant swing, like they do a giant swing and then he do like a electric chop or what you know like he's yeah. got like two or three different moves that he usually does to soften them up but it's like i guess you know pink tiger ate too much cotton candy or some shit like he was not <laughs> he wasn't quite as impressive and, and, and powerful as some of the other dark destructoid like 
monsters that that Kakaida has fought in the past. So it's pretty much just it's like one giant swing and then he's he's done, right? Like I thought there was this was an interesting episode. Jinbei was kind of a odd element for it. I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah. the the actor who played him did a good job, but there, I don't know. There's something I f- found off putting about him, mm. and the whole like Morse code stuff made it a bit weirder for me. I I don't know how to to accurately describe it, but I think I think I was more interested in like you know Jiro fighting Pink Tiger, and we, there wasn't a whole lot of that in this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird because I mean you you play with the aspect. I mean they they've they they don't do it too overtly in the live action tokusatsu but we've had the conversations about how you know the dark destructoid robots are essentially jiro's siblings right like that they're brothers fighting brothers and then here it's almost like i i don't know if you'd call him a brother but maybe he's like a i mean i guess he'd be like an older brother or or like a ancestor you know what i mean like 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 somebody who predates Kakaida and the dark destructoid robots you know because he's more you know he's not designed to be a warrior or a fighter or anything like that like he's essentially you know a entertainment robot you know like he's he's kind of I mean it's not like he's like Pris and Blade Runner you know entertaining the men or anything but I mean <laughs> essentially he's he's in that level of of android where it's like he's he's there for the the amusement park and it, and i guess part of it that's off-putting is it, it seems like he's 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 beaten down you know like like even before all this stuff happens like he's just kind of a, a sad little robot going through his day-to-day existence and he's kind of already resigned that he's gonna be you know decommissioned and put out to pasture and like and then, and then on top of that, like the, that he does, I mean, I guess that's part of his inherent programming. Like he loves the children, but it's like, it, it'd be interesting. Like maybe it would have been nicer to see that with Masaru somehow, or like, yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like not all have it be doom and gloom where he's like the sad clown, like a hundred percent of the episode or that, that he somehow you, you know, like maybe he's sad that he's going to be put out to pasture and maybe he's not thrilled about, you know, riding around this horse drawn carriage all the time. But like maybe, you know, it's like there's a little girl and he brings her a flower, or makes her a balloon or some shit and she smiles and is super happy. And then he smiles and he's super happy. You know what I mean? Like like something like that probably would have been worth spending some time on because then that way you could be like oh okay well this is this is what he loves so when he has that moment where he's like this is for the children you know like then it kind of has some some meaning to it you know where you you saw like he he really i mean it's one thing to be told he loves all the children and yeah they're saving them from from you know dynamite explosions all across this amusement park but I, I think emphasizing that with maybe a brief little scene, whether it's with, I mean, if they have to save the money, fine, do it with Masaru, you know, because he's already in the episode. But I mean, I, I could see it be like, hey, you know, let's let's get a, you know, some little girl, and he makes some, you know, a, a flower balloon animal or some shit, you know, and that's like that's that's you know brings him the joy, and that's why he keeps doing what he does, right? I I think you just wrote a better version of episode thirteen, Derek. Mm. 
I try. I try. So <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all backseat driving. I wasn't even alive in yeah, 1974, yeah. you know, like, so, so it's easy to say or whatever, but I mean, that's just, that, that that's kind of what I was thinking when, when I was watching it, because you, I, I mean, it, it, for you, you're, you know, it's, it's hard for you to quantify. It's like, why, why does this feel like they spent too much time on something? And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the actor or even the plot of like that, that, that it's this sort of ancestor of the Kakaida and the dark destructoids, but that it's it's sort of flat in terms of tone all the way through that he he's the sad clown all the time and it's like it's it's kind of like it's that thing that alan moore thing you know it's like you you have to see the good like happy-go-lucky silver age shit before you murder it you know what i mean like and <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like I, and it's like all we yeah. got was like Jinbei's sad <laughs> you know what i mean like Jinbei <laughs> has the sads and it's like well we needed to see him a little happy to to appreciate the sads you know like that's that's all i think and and it, it would have been a small tweak but but i think that would have improved the episode and everything yeah all right well i mean i i think that pretty much covers it so i think what we'll do is we'll we'll wrap up here if you guys have any other comments questions and or concerns you can send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com if you don't want to get shot by the tiger gun you know <laughs> go ahead and check out the backlog of our episodes over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com you can see all the toku thursdays episodes there in addition to like kaida you know of course we've done some great coverage on common writer gaim and we have all kinds of other tokusatsu stuff most definitely things like common writer ultraman like all those kind of series so if you're into any of those please consider checking out all the backlog of our toku thursdays episodes in addition to toku thursdays if you like this check out all our other shows we've got in addition to toku thursdays mobile suit mondays transformers tuesdays sentai saturdays Big in Japan, where we talk about anime. We've got Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. We've got Comics Motherfucker, Do You Read Them?, where we talk about comics. And, of course, we've got the Fan Holes podcast proper. So, yeah, check out all those episodes. And we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We always appreciate all the likes, feedback, retweets, shares, comments, everything like that. We, we greatly appreciate it. All the hearts, all that good stuff. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, switching off. And this is Justin.
I was looking over your document. Say something again? Something again? Okay. Sorry. I think my wire was loose for a second, so I couldn't hear that last thing you said. <clears throat> oh. I said I was looking over your uh, your document, your notes for the show. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty... I was like, I don't have a lot to say this time. <laughs> and, yeah, there, and there weren't too many factoids or anything, and then... Um... And most of it's easy to pronounce, too, so I was like, oh, that's that's easy. <laughs> You're like, this is a piece of cake. I'm like, De Derek has the heavy lifting. He has to read all the other shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. <laughs> it's like, I, what, what if, um, what if I, Leah and um, Jinbei had a conversation? Like, how would that go down? It's like, Jinbei unit! It's like... <laughs> I am totally turned on by your bald head. <laughs> and Jinbei's like, Jiro-san, I feel strange. <laughs> Take me to the creator. It's like, I have seen my creator. I didn't even give him the special circuit. I told him to fuck off. It's like, <laughs> you are very bold, Jinbei unit. <laughs> 